When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to How To Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. Hi, Belinda. Thank you so much for joining me on the How To Money podcast today. Hi, Kate. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, I've heard this is your very first podcast ever, so that's very exciting. It is, it is, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. Well, before we dive into what I want to talk about today. I'd love to hear a bit more about your role. And it's pretty exciting from what I've seen in the company you work for. Yeah, it is exciting. So my role is Chief Financial Officer uh, for a company called 86400. So 86400 is a smart bank. We started in Australia in 2019 when we received our our banking licence from APRA. And we were one of the the wave of those those first lot of of neobanks that, that launched into the market. Since launching in 2019, we've grown really, really quickly. It's been an incredibly exciting journey. And in the last six months, we're actually really thrilled that we've been acquired by NAB and are going to be partnering with the Ubank business going forward as well. So have even more exciting growth opportunities in the future. Yeah, so it's been a pretty big six months for you with this acquisition. And now um, you've got a much bigger platform to run the whole business from. Absolutely. So the Ubank business is 12 years old, has done a phenomenal job, was one of the first sort of digital challenges in, in the Australian market and has absolutely got a, a really important history and, and we're really excited to be, be part of their story now as well. Obviously, 86400 has the advantage of being a bit newer, has some some newer technology. We're free from some of that legacy that's even built up over you know, 10 or 12 years. So there's a lot of newer technology available today. So bringing those two businesses together is really exciting and and we're looking forward to giving even more Australians a chance to to take control of their money and using the the new Ubank product that will be coming to the market soon. Yeah, and I think um, we were just talking off air about how the partnership between a a neobank and one of the existing big four or some of the other smaller ones as we know it, it can be a really powerful thing for consumers because they get the, the better software, the better experience, the better product to help take control of their money. But then they also have that big bank backing it. Absolutely. So for us, the partnership and the work with NAB is extremely important because it lets us run faster. It means we can invest more into products and services. It means we can really focus just on building out the best products that we can and really bring that product to a much broader range of the market than we could previously on our own. So we're really proud of the start we, we got, but we are a, a small fraction of the bank, banking market today. Uh, so so it, it's obviously really nice for us to be able to bring our product to, to more and more customers through through the backing of, of NAB. 
Mm, and I think most young people are pretty keen to see some new players in the bit slightly antiquated system. So it's good to see some more options out there and some of the larger banks partnering with these innovative companies as well. Yeah, absolutely. And when I look at you know, the purpose of, of when 86400 started, so you know, a lot of people sometimes think it was a reaction to the, the Royal Commission or something like that. And, and you know, that, that's obviously always part of the story. But the real reason that we started 86400 was actually to solve a customer problem. We found that banking had become really complex. So in the past couple of years in particular, people have more and more bank accounts. So 60% of customers in Australia at least have more than two banks. So they might have a mortgage with one provider and a credit card with somebody else. They have money coming in and out of their account, unfortunately more out. It's outside of their control more than more often than not. That's, you know, with your subscriptions, you'll have your Uber, you'll have your Netflix, you'll have all sorts of money going out all the time you don't always see. And you tap your phone now. So before, you know, go back 10 years even, you'd go, you know, $100 from the ATM and say that's my money for the week and divvy it out, whereas now you're just tapping your phone for $4 for a cup of coffee. So the number of transactions that you have split across all of those different bank accounts means your banking's become really complex and scary. And that's the real problem we were trying to solve when we started 86400. It was how do we design a banking product that's going to put you in control of your money and really help you feel more confident with your money and therefore remove some of that stress and anxiety they've been building up. That works really, really neatly with the partnership we're doing with, with Ubank and with the backing of NAB because it really helps us bring that product and service and ethos to more and more customers. It's completely aligned to the purpose that we're, we're, we're here to, to serve. So it's, it's really pleasing for me to see all of that come together. Mm, that's very exciting and I'm looking forward to seeing how it sort of rolls out over the next six to 12 months as well. And one of the things that I, I love asking people and especially females in finance is how did you end up in the role you're currently in as the Chief Financial Officer at a Neobank and what sort of inspired you to enter the world of finance and get to where you are today? Like everyone, it's a, a windy journey. Um, yeah. So, so I'm happy to, to, to take you through it. Pick a, some a, highlights. <laughs> version of, of that. So uh, I accidentally started in, in finance or in banking. So I was 19, I was second year uni, I was working in sales, uh, I wasn't particularly enjoying it and was really just looking for any other job. And I'd done my first Aki 101 accounting subject and kind of liked it for some reason, it kind of clicked in my brain and I kind of thought, well, I could be an accountant and saw a cadetship come up at the local credit union in Wollongong uh, where I was at university at the time. I didn't know what a credit union really was. I didn't really know what accountants did. I thought it was maybe, you know, tax returns and I didn't really mm. what happened the other 11 months of the year. Um, but thought, hey, I'll throw my hands up. If I don't like it, I'll leave after six months. I uh, was lucky enough to get the job 12 years later, was, was still there. And in that time, I obviously started as an accounting cadet, did all the finance sort of functions, but also worked across you know, operations, credit, collections, different areas of, of the credit union and built up a phenomenal experience with that. It was a, an absolute privilege to work with that team and, and I got the opportunity to learn really how a small bank works, how does it all hang together and, and what does it actually take to serve customers. Obviously, working for a mutual, it's very customer-centric, uh, which was really, really great grounding for myself and a really great first introduction to banking, I think, with that, that mutual ethos as well. The last three years there, I was CFO and company secretary. Uh, so that was really after being there nine years, having, whilst I was the youngest in the executive for by, by quite a while, I was also the longest serving uh, <laughs> in the company for 
compared to the others as well. So it was kind of this interesting balance of being maybe a subject matter expert in our particular institution, but also being the newest and youngest executive of, of the team, which was actually a really nice introduction to, to being a CFO and being an executive leader. And then two and a half years ago, I made the jump over to, to 86400 and have, have been a flat chat ever since. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And I, so many females I've spoken to in finance, often that story is I ended up in finance and banking by accident, which is always quite interesting to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons I'm really happy to do do, do things like this and, and obviously help build a profile out there is so that there are more examples of younger females in banking and finance. I know when I was coming through, there was a few, but it, there definitely wasn't many. Uh, so I think the more we have profiles and examples that people can look at, well, I'm just like that. I, I could do that, that, that job too. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, it's, it's great to have examples of people who have taken that path before you. It just makes it that little bit easier when you're going off on your own as well. Awesome. Well, I think it's time to jump into some of your bread and butter. So I want to talk about money and saving hacks for young people. And based on sort of all the customer data you've seen, your experiences talking to lots of customers and everything you've seen over the last sort of decade or so, what are your sort of current top five money hacks for saving money, budgeting, all of that, that people can apply at the moment? I think my favourite and the one I keep coming back to that's applicable to almost everybody is thinking about how you spend your money and then structuring your banking to match that. So the really simple example for that is if you want to bucket your money into what do you spend on bills, groceries, emergency cash, whatever you're saving for, splitting out your money actually makes you usually feel a lot more in control than I've got a bucket with $600 in it and I can't remember how much of that's for, how much kind of, of that can I spend on groceries? I know I've got a phone bill due next week. How much do I need to have aside for that? It, it just really takes the stress out of it and, and makes it a lot easier. I think my favourite thing to go along with that as well is making sure you have a guilt-free sort of account with that because I know, you know, money is really personal and money really does get wrapped up in a lot of the emotions as well. And, you know, that was the research we found with 86400. It wasn't, the problem wasn't necessarily the complexity of banking. The problem was how that complexity made people feel uh, and that it made them feel stressed and anxious. And and that's obviously not how you want to feel. So giving yourself a guilt-free bucket means that, you know, if you want to go out to that nice dinner, if you want to grab that pair of jeans, whatever it happens to be, and this isn't for saving for big goals, it's a a small splurge account that you can use day to day as well, I think just helps take away some of that guilt around spending um, because nine times out of ten, then if you you haven't done that, you will still end up cracking and buying a pair of jeans but then feel really, really bad about it and then buy something else to make you feel better. So it's really how do you... How do you build a pattern that's going to help you take control as well? Uh, so that's one of my favourite ones. I think another, though, is watching out for those temptations. So my friends in marketing hate when I talk about this. But for me personally, a big one is unsubscribing from all of those marketing emails. I don't need to see when something's on sale. If, if I don't need it, I will get caught into buying, you know, yet another pair of you know, yoga pants that... <laughs> Seven I have in my cupboard are perfectly fine, but my favourite brand's on sale, so I bought another one. So just if I don't see it, I find it a lot easier not to get sucked into those that oh, it's 40% off and I'd really like another pair. Having an ad blocker on your phone, same sort of thing. Looking at 
when you're following people on Instagram, keeping an eye out for when they're actually trying to sell you something um, and, you know, what, what's something that they're just like, oh, I really love this product and when it's really that they're just there to, to actually prompt you to, to buy something. So, yeah, just, just really, really watching out for those temptations. And then I think that, that the final one I've got in there as well is very much linked to that. Once you've decided you are going to buy something, and, and this is obviously, it really does depend on everyone's situation. Not everyone obviously is lucky enough to be able to have this approach, but buy once and buy better generally is, is a really good approach. It's better for the environment. It means if you're spending slightly more on a quality product that's going to last longer, that isn't then going to end up in landfill when it wears out in a year or two, obviously that, that's much better for, for the, the planet. It is much better for your wallet over time. But recognising that obviously that means you need to have the savings up front to be able to invest in that that more expensive uh, version as well. Uh, and definitely shop around when you do get to that. So that's when the, the marketing emails can be handy sometimes, but I'm, I personally prefer to you know, go looking for what I want rather than having it being pushed to me all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think you, you touched on important, which is that interaction between the sort of the emotional side of money and the practicalities of money. And I think so much of that traditional financial information that all the old school people talk about and books and stuff, it doesn't actually look at that emotional aspect that interacts with money. Like, yes, you could have the perfect situation, like all the bank accounts on paper, but if you haven't thought about that emotional side, it becomes really difficult. And it's interesting that you've um, you've brought that up there. Yeah, I think you really can't decouple both of them. And I think really understanding your own values and what you value in your purchasing is really vital because what's a, a valuable purchase to me that I look at it and go, that was a fantastic spend. I'm really glad I bought that. I value it every day. To yourself, Kate, you might look and go, oh, I really regret buying that. That was a complete waste. Why did I spend that money? And vice versa. So it's understanding your values, looking at you know, how you value your own time, how you value convenience. You know, for some people, you know, when holidays are a perfect example. For some people, taking the, the train journey that's cheaper but takes eight hours is the perfect spend. For others that kind of go, actually, I value my time while I'm on holidays a little bit more, I'm happy to pay for the more expensive flight, knowing that it's going to save me a couple of hours. Both of those are equally valid purchases and decisions. But if you haven't sat and thought through, do I value the, you know, hundred dollars or do I value the three hours not really going to make a purchase that's aligned to what you want and you're probably going to make an impulse decision in the moment yeah absolutely and you can spend exactly the same amount in two different ways and they can make you that that way of spending can make you feel completely different if you haven't really thought about what what's important to you in your day-to-day and month-to-month spending yeah absolutely Based on what you've seen, what are some of the money, common money myths that you're seeing that young Australians have at the moment that are maybe holding them back from reaching their financial goals? I think I'm really pleased that a lot of these money myths are getting busted. And so some of the ones I'll, I'll, I'll chat through, I'm pleased to say that it's definitely changing. I think the first one that's changed a lot in recent years is the idea that you need to have a lot of money to invest, that products, you know, raise spaceship. There's a lot of products out there. People are more aware of ETFs now. Even just having a savings habit is going to be far more valuable in the long term to your returns than the actual interest rate or return of a particular product. The, the, the habit is super important. But you don't have to wait until you've got $15,000 saved up before you can go and invest. Um, you can absolutely get started anytime you like. Uh, so I think that's really powerful. Also, the idea that you're either, I, I see this both ways sometimes. People think it's too late to start investing or saving that, you know, 
that they, they should have started in when they were 21 and because they didn't, they might as well not now. And conversely, I see other people that say, oh, it's too early, like I don't need to worry about saving for retirement or I don't need to worry about any of that. So I, I need to save for you know, buying a house and then I need to save for this and then I need to save for that and, and, and kind of I think the only right time is now and about you know, you're never too late, you're never too early. What can you do today that you didn't do yesterday that will help you out tomorrow? Uh, and the final one is one that I think is really relevant to a lot of young people with the housing market. It's this horrible myth that rent money is dead money. I- I'm pleased that we see that less and less, but between that and getting blamed that it's smashed up, people have trouble in the housing market. Those two in, in between, I think I can definitely understand why people feel under attack sometimes. So obviously, again, and it comes back to that values piece, you know, renting is a totally legitimate way of, paying for your housing. It, it has a lot of benefits around not having to pay for maintenance and, and, and other things for your property as well. And as long as you're looking at what are other ways that you're building wealth outside of property, it's a totally valid strategy. And, and really getting away from that, I must buy a home because that isn't for everybody. And, and for those that it, that it is for looking at well, what's the savviest way I can go about getting a mortgage, making it work for me and, and that sort of piece as well. But just understanding that there is no right or wrong path uh, and there's no right or wrong option here. Yeah, and I think it's it's. I'm so glad it's becoming more accepted that it doesn't have to be investing in like shares and ETFs or investing in property. Like you can do both, or you can, yeah, you can only you can just choose one or the other. But it doesn't. It there's no hard and fast rules anymore. And I think it's good that there are more options for young people, especially watching <laughs> property prices <laughs> just go crazy. Um, I can imagine it's a bit worse in Sydney than it is in Melbourne. It's been really hot in Sydney at the moment, um, which obviously for those lucky enough to be homeowners is is quite exciting, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it absolutely is a huge challenge for those first home buyers and, and it's really a structural challenge that we need to look at as a society. Mm, absolutely. And since we've just entered a brand new financial year, we're in July now, what are some of your uh, tips and tricks for people that are thinking, oh, I should maybe think about what bills I'm paying, maybe I should renegotiate my mortgage, all of those sort of mid-year, because I think a lot of people do check in with their goals and their subscriptions and everything like that once a new year, new financial year hits. So yeah, what are your suggestions there? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first one is on subscriptions. They are pretty sneaky. So reviewing them is always a really good idea. I will plug the 86400 app here that it ha- it does have a feature where you can connect all your bank accounts and it will tell you what subscriptions are coming up because I know I personally struggle to keep track. So it's really handy that I can just open the app and it will tell me, you know, your health insurance is next week, your gym membership's the week after, and, you know, Foxtel's the week after that, whatever it happens to be. That's really helpful. If, if you don't want to use a feature like that, just scroll through your transaction listings as well. Jot them down on a piece of paper and keep an eye on them because I know that they, and it seems small, it's $10 here, it's $10 there, and then all of a sudden you can kind of add them up and go, well, I'm actually spending like $150 a month across yeah. different platforms. So many people I know now have got like five or so streaming services. I recently did a big cull, but it's it's amazing how quickly you, you want to watch one show here and one show here and use one sort of music software there and it just adds up. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's thinking as well about the way your habits change as well. So I know. I used a lot of audiobook subscriptions when I had to commute five days a week. Since I've been in lockdown, I haven't been using them as much. Do I still want that? And, and just, again, coming back to your value, if, if you're loving it and you want to keep using it, absolutely keep paying for it. It's not about you know, saying all subscriptions are bad. They've, they've absolutely made our lives way easier. <laughs> 
but it's just thinking through to say, am I still getting the value out of that? Do I need the full um, entertainment subscriptions? And the, the other really sneaky one is sometimes the, the software trials as well, where you think I need that piece of software. They tend to be annual more than monthly, and then all of a sudden it crops back up, or, or the app subscriptions as well for the premium version of the service. Definitely keep an eye on all of those as well because you, you easily forget a year later, and then you're like, what's this software? I used it twice a year ago. Um, why am I still paying for it? Yeah, those in-app one, in-app purchases and subscriptions are really sneaky because you forget you actually set them up. And I know a few offering like six months free during COVID last year, and then uh, then you suddenly auto renewed and you forgot about it. And I think if you do get caught with that, don't be afraid to reach out as well. I know I've done it where I've had something renew and go, oh, I actually only needed that for a particular project. I don't need it anymore. Send off a quick email. Look, this came out of my account yesterday. I haven't used the product in six months. Can we please cancel and refund? And you know, it's not always successful, but some companies are really good about doing that as well. So just because the money's come out of your bank account, don't give up on it. You can still reach out as well. Yeah. And what about sort of renegotiating your your bills or maybe getting lower rates on energy, electricity rates, maybe reducing your rent or any sort of strategies there for doing that? Yeah, sure. I think one of the most important things there is being doing your research so that you're empowered when you're actually talking to your provider. So again, at, at 86400, one thing we do is it's called Energy Switch. Uh, you can actually send us your bill. We run it through an algorithm that actually compares it to all the other energy providers and we'll send you back to say, you know, we think you can save X amount of money, you know, if you switch from this provider to that provider. If you don't want to use those sort of services as well, do your research. Areas like energy are pretty complicated for the bills and they make it like that on purpose. So, so that's why those services can be really helpful. Again, it's just on your insurances, every renewal, check it out. I still hate you see so many providers where you can go online and get a cheaper price directly with them than what they've actually sent you as a renewal. It's a horrible practice, but to keep an eye out for it and with your mortgage providers as well, call and have a chat. And it's both looking at what rate are you on, but also which products are you are you in as well? Because banks have lots of different products. Some of them will have a higher interest rate, come with an offset account. If you're using that offset account really regularly, and it can be a great way to split your money into all of those different buckets we talked about earlier, in an offset, if, if, if your bank lets you have multiple, if you're using that in a really savvy way, it can actually save you a lot more than the, the extra interest rate that you pay. But if you're not, if you have an offset and you're not using it, switch to a cheaper product as well. It's not just having calling the bank and saying, I'm on 2.2, I think I should be on 1.9. It's actually looking at what's the products and services that you're using and, and are you in the right product for you as well having a look at, you know, at the moment, do you want to be fixed? Do you want to be variable? It depends a lot about your plans over the next couple of years. But, but look at your products holistically rather than just focusing on that interest rate as well. Mm, and I think that comes back to that knowing your needs and values and what you're aiming for at the moment because you what you might have set up perfectly to work for you two years ago might not be what you need right now. So, yeah, I think it's a good time to like check in each year and actually go through everything you're currently spending money on and is it still fitting your needs or is it sort of fitting the person you were a few years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And so when we're looking forward to the the rest of the year, the next six months, what are some of your best tips for supercharging your savings goals this year? Uh, so my first one, again, it, it, we're on a theme here. It comes back to the emotional side of things. It's being invested in your goals, emotionally invested in your goals, not just financially invested. So there's lots of ways you can go about doing that. So if you're saving for a new car, researching what sort of car you're after, 
if you're saving for a holiday, actually, you know, starting to plan it out a little bit more. If you're saving for renovations, you know, pick your paint colours, go and have a look at tiles, whatever it happens to be that you want to do. Now, don't get dragged into actually spending money today. That's not the, the, the path we necessarily want to go down. But the more invested you are in your goal and the more excited you are about it, the more likely you are to make those small day-to-day sacrifices that you have to make to reach your goal as well. Putting aside the $20 a week or 50 or whatever you happen to be trying to save, if you're staying emotionally connected to why you're putting that aside, you're far, far more likely to keep that habit going. The other tip there is automated as well. So whether it's through your payroll, whether it's through your bank, try and get it that it's happening without you even noticing it. Obviously, if you don't have to make the decision to do it, it makes it a lot easier. There's lots of technology these days with fast payments, and that's the thing that both fortunately and unfortunately make it really quick and easy to move money around, which is why I think even if you've got it automated, because you can probably get at it quite quickly, it's still important to be emotionally connected to your goal. The other thing then is is just, as we've chatted about, find those really little ways that you can save money. I think one of the, the really nice features that I use a, a lot these days, we call it smart search. It lets you search across all your bank accounts. So whilst most banking apps have a really great search feature, so you can search, you know, Woolworths, how much we're spending. Coming back to that piece where, you know, two-thirds of us have at least two banks, if not more, quite often you'll find it's you've spent a once a week at Woolworths on account A and you kind of look at it, oh, that's, that's pretty reasonable, that's okay, forgetting that actually I've got a credit card and over here I actually spent some more money. So really just using, you know, whether it's 8600 or other technology as well, to help you get a full visibility of a financial picture, check in with it regularly and figure out, you know, those habits that I wanted to put in, in place, am I still on track with those as well? Yeah, and I think another, someone was mentioning the other day that most banks don't have this software yet. I don't know if it exists at all, but, like, when you go to Woolworths now, you buy a lot more than just your food and groceries now. You might be getting healthcare products. She was talking about wrapping paper and all sorts of things that, so it makes it quite difficult when you, if you're just looking at where you spent in each category, suddenly you might have $100 at Woolworths, but it wasn't all food and groceries. Right. So yeah, it's it's interesting there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, this is where everyone's going to approach their money in a different way. I know some people love it. I've got accountants in my finance team that have all the spreadsheets and track all the money and kind of come to me and say, oh, my, my electricity was $30, $30 over budget last month. And, and, and this is the thing they get, get really into the detail. And then I've got other friends that kind of go, oh, I don't even know where I'm up to. I don't want to really know too much about it. So it's really coming up with what works for you. That level of, of really detailed isn't for everybody. I, I don't think the, the head in the sand, ignore it, will be okay. It is for everybody either. And it's just figuring out what's the, the writing in between and what's the baby step. You know, what's the, if you're feeling that you're not in control of your money, you're obviously not going to jump into a full-blown, really detailed daily check-in, really complex way of managing your money. So what's a really simple step that you can put in place? Maybe just looking at your subscriptions. Just say for a month, all I'm going to do, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to write down every time a subscription comes out of my account. I'm just going to do that. And then next month, okay, I'll look at my bills and I'll say, well, how much is my electricity? How much is my internet? And then the next month, I might try and tackle my groceries. And I'll have a look at how much we're spending and and, and what could I do differently. Uh, And just really try and build small steps to that as well I think sometimes people will will read an article about you know 10 tips to clean up your money and try and do all 10 at once and it's too hard and so they hit and it's you know just just tackle them one at a time every single one will make the next one easier 
and every single one will add up as you go. So by the time you're getting to, you know, month three or four of doing this, you can actually see the benefits you've, you've realised so far and see that, you know, savings balance growing a little bit or that you have been able to put $50 a week into a spaceship account or, or, or however you're, you're, you're wanting to work it. It encourages you to keep going when you can see those small wins as well. Yeah, I think that just taking it one step in the time, that's such an important takeaway because, yeah, trying to action a 10-step money cleanup article is not going to, it's probably going to overwhelm you and you might get to that point where you actually make no changes or decisions at all just because it all seems a bit too much. So I think if you can like, take it back to that basics and like, what can I do this month to make my finances just that little bit better? Yeah. And then, yeah, as you said, it makes it all a lot easier. Could not agree more. Yeah, awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I'd love to hear maybe your your one thing that you'd want young people to action today with their finances to just get them in that 1% better position tomorrow. I think the, the number one thing for me is really thinking about what you want from your money and remembering that your friends, your family, your colleagues are probably all very well-meaning but have different history with their money than you do. They have different goals. They have different lifestyles. So it's really just about you and getting in touch with what do you want from your money and how do you want, you know, what do you value and, and not getting caught up in they've all bought X, like I need that because they're going to judge me if I don't have it or, or anything like that. And it, it's much easier said than done. But I think when I look back to, you know, people in their 20s, that that is the most common pitfall I see people falling into is that spending to keep up with what they perceive to be expectations of others might not be there at all but just spending because that's the way they see others what they see other people buying so I think that's the number one thing um, that can make a really tangible difference day to day. Yeah I think that's it's really important to take that on board in your 20s because yeah you can make such a big difference sort of positive or negative to your financial future by just a few of the actions you take in your 20s and I think yeah not trying to keep up with the person next to you because at the end of the day they probably don't really care if you have that bag or that computer or xyz well and half the time you know you think oh they're you know they've got a nicer handbag so they're looking at me but they're really looking at someone else you don't know if the handbag's on a credit card. You, you just you just don't know the full story. So I think it's at, at the end of the day, it's buying what makes you happy. It's spending your money and saving your money in a way that makes you happy and makes you feel secure and is aligned with your goals and priorities is the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, was there anything else you wanted to add, Belinda, before we wrapped up? No, just thank you so much for having me on to, to chat, Kate. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, if people want to learn a bit more about you and 86400 and check out the app, where should they go? Yeah, you can jump on to the app stores, just 86400. It's all numbers, so 86400. <laughs> um, that's the number of seconds in a day in case anyone was wondering where we got some some numbers from. Or if you just search on you know, Instagram, Facebook, Google, 86400 Smart Bank, you'll absolutely find us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge with my listeners. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money Podcast.